Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the next edition of our big broadcast. We have got a great guest joining us here on our big program. We have got a fantastic, fantastic guest. Uh, Edward Segal is with us. He's Leadership Strategy Senior Contributor for Forbes Online. He is uh, a fantastic, fantastic uh, individual. He's also got a, a new Crisis Management Minute podcast, which is available on Apple Podcasts. And he joins us today here on our big, big program. So, Edward, welcome to, uh, welcome to the broadcast. Tell me a little bit about your background in the world of business, my friend. Well, I have a checkered background as a crisis management uh, expert and uh, consultant and author. Uh, for more than a dozen years, I was CEO of uh, two different uh, trade associations in, in California. And also in my, uh, my checkered career, um, I've had the experience of being a corporate spokesperson um, and uh, providing public relations and other services to a wide variety of companies and organizations. And my book, Crisis Ahead, is really a distillation um, of what I've learned over the years, the advice I've given others with the goal of helping to ensure that uh, CEOs and other top company uh, executives, um, that they can take steps uh, now to uh, uh, prevent a crisis. But if they do have a crisis, I give them great advice on how to uh, manage a crisis and recover as soon as possible. Fantastic. We have got a great guest with us today. Edward Segal is with us. He has got this incredible new book. It is called Crisis Ahead, 101 Ways to Prepare for and Bounce Back from Disaster, Scandals, and Other Emergencies. And he joins us today here on our big program. So this book, incredibly well written. Take me through your writing process, my friend. Tell me all about it. Well, I started with the basics. I wanted to share people uh, the, the best practices, uh, best management practices, the best crisis response uh, practices um, that I've learned and I've observed um, over the years. And about a third of the book um, is about these be best practices, uh, what you should do, what you shouldn't do uh, to uh, prepare for, manage, recover, and communicate um, about a crisis. Uh, but the rest of the book is uh, really case studies of the good, the bad, and sometimes uh, the incredible ugly ways uh, companies and organizations have uh, responded to and communicated about a crisis. So this is really a how-to manual, in some cases, a how-don't manual <laughs> of uh, how to uh, prepare for, manage, uh, recover, and bounce back as soon as possible uh, a number of crisis situations. In fact, in the book, I've identified more than 100 different crisis triggers of uh, crisis situations that have been caused by or sometimes created by companies and organizations. And uh, it's an instruction manual to help ensure that readers uh, profit from the mistakes of others and don't make those same mistakes themselves. Fantastic. Edward Segal with us today. He joins us live here on our big program. So, Edward, this book, uh, incredibly well written. Take me through your writing process. Uh, to tell me a little bit about how you brought this book to life. I uh, brought it to life by first uh, 
outlining everything I, I knew or <laughs> thought I knew or wanted to know um, about crisis management. And I've laid it out in terms of a very step-by-step -step process. I'm the kind of writer that likes to think things through before I start writing. So I actually prepared an incredibly uh, detailed um, outline uh, with not just the topics I wanted to cover, but what I would say about each uh, particular topic. And frankly, I didn't have a choice because I wanted to get a uh, literary agent to represent me, and I wanted that literary agent to help sell the book to a major publisher. And unless you have a, a properly prepared, detailed uh, book proposal, uh, the chances of getting an agent or that agent selling the proposal to a publisher, uh, it's very, very uh, small. So I started with a book proposal. I got the feedback from uh, from an agent who I wound up working with, uh, a great a great agent, and uh, he uh, had some advice and recommendations for the book proposal, and we finalized it and we sent it on to the publisher. And the good news is that, or the bad news is, we didn't find a publisher right away. The good news is we finally found, he finally found a publisher. And that publisher had some changes that they wanted me to make in my book before they would agree to buy it. It was not a lot of changes, it tweaks here and there. So after we came to an agreement what the book would be about, we signed the contract. Uh, then I, they gave me about six months to uh, complete the manuscript. And that's one of the benefits of uh, trying to sell a book proposal. You don't have to write the whole book. In fact, if you write no. the whole book, uh, you might have to rewrite the whole book uh, when you sell it to a publisher. So the manuscript I prepared uh, followed closely what the uh, agent had suggested and followed to the letter what the publisher wanted in the book. And then I submitted the uh, manuscript that went through a process on the publisher's end of uh, copy reading and copy proofing and proofreading and uh, recommendations throughout the book. Uh, nothing major, but a lot of minor tweaks uh, and, and fixes. And uh, the uh, publisher eventually uh, accepted the manuscript as it had been revised, um, and, uh, and we went to press. Uh, the, the other side of the story was that because of the pandemic, even after the book had been printed, the publisher decided to destroy all of the printed copies of the book. Why? Wow. There was some last minute issues uh, about uh, uh, copyright and, uh, and uh, some other issues that the um, publisher had uh, just became aware of. We didn't know about it when the book was published. Uh, but the big picture was because of the pandemic, they wanted to come up with a different title for the book. And they wanted me to rewrite the introduction of the book. So it was specific to the pandemic and the crisis management lessons that people could learn because of the pandemic. They gave me, uh, I think, a less than less than a week uh, to rewrite the introduction wow. of the book. We did some quick uh, brainstorming uh, with the publisher and my agent about what to call the book for a different title. So uh, the book uh, became uh, Crisis Ahead. Uh, as opposed to the other other uh, other title that had been published, and it did very well. In fact, it quickly became a bestseller on Amazon for a a new release. And because of the focus of the uh, the introduction dealing with the pandemic, we got a lot of uh, opportunities to talk to the press. A lot more reviews, I think, that we would not gotten otherwise. And uh, the book uh, had an evergreen quality because it was talking not just about uh, generic kinds of crises, but uh, it was very specific to the pandemic. 
That is amazing. I have never heard of a of an author having you know the books ready to go, and then they're like, "Nah, destroy everything. We're going to start over." This well, is the amazing. Was I had to redo my website. I was working with a great uh, book publicity firm, Smith Publicity. Uh, they turned on a dime to uh, promote uh, the new title of the book, the new focus of the book. So it was, uh, I knew it was going to be exciting when the book was published, but I didn't realize it'd be that exciting. <laughs> that, that is an incredible story, my friend. That is an incredible story. We have got a great guest with us today. He joins us live. Edward Segal is with us. He's a best-selling author of, a, of award-winning books, including his latest, Crisis Ahead. And uh, he joins us today here on Skype to talk a little bit about this incredible, incredible book. So... What do you want readers to take away from your writing of this book, Edward? Don't wait to prepare a crisis management plan. A lot of companies and organizations, even high-profile individuals and entrepreneurs, they don't have a crisis management plan. And the problem is when, not if you have a crisis, you're going to be wasting valuable time coming, figuring out what to do, when to do it, how to do it, where to do it, who's going to do it. All of those questions you can have answered already if you've prepared a crisis management plan. So the big takeaway from the book is don't wait. You're going to have a crisis sooner rather than later, probably. And no matter when you have it, if you don't have a crisis management plan, then you're really going to be at a disadvantage and wasting important time that you could have spent otherwise uh, dealing with the crisis. And that's really the goal of any crisis management plan, to deal effectively strategically and efficiently with a crisis. Uh, make sure it's addressed uh, as soon as possible and then put the crisis behind you as soon as possible and uh, resume normal operations as soon as possible. We have got a great guest with us today. Edward Segal is with us. He joins us live here on our big program. So now that this book is out there and uh, you've been doing interviews and uh, promoting the book, what is next for you as an author? I'm sorry? What is next for you as an author? Well, I am uh, launched uh, the podcast you were nice enough to mention, uh, the Crisis Management Minute, and my goal is to help, uh, uh, on a continuing basis, uh, educate, reform, inform, and keep posted um, readers or non-readers of the book uh, with the latest examples, the latest advice, because it's really important uh, to be a continuing education student, if you will, of crisis management. There are so many examples in the business world and in government on the best practices for what to do to uh, prepare for, prevent, manage, and recover from a crisis. And the more people are paying attention to those uh, great uh, real-time lessons, they can do a much better job being prepared um, for a crisis. A great example is what Elon Musk is doing to Twitter that he recently bought just a few weeks ago. Um, He is quickly become a case study of what not to do when you buy a company, <laughs> what not to do when you're managing a crisis. And I've written about that for uh, my, the couple columns I've written for, for Forbes.com, where I'm a uh, leadership strategy senior contributor covering almost on a daily basis uh, crisis-related news topics and issues. So between the podcasts and my work for Forbes, um, I've got a very full plate. 
Well, you are amazing, and uh, I look forward to uh, having you back uh, with us, especially since we can do Skype and, and everything. I would love to have you back on the program. Um, before we let you go, how do we get in touch with you online and uh, buy the book? You can visit my website at publicrelations.com. That's publicrelations.com. And you can uh, just uh, type in my name on Amazon for Edward Siegel, S-E-G-A-L, or Crisis Ahead, and my book will show up uh, right away. No matter where you buy your books, independent book publishers or book bookstores are carrying my book. You can get it from Barnes & Noble, uh, Amazon, of course, wherever you buy the books. And I hope people will tune in to my uh, weekly podcast on uh, Apple Podcast. It's, uh, uh, the show is called The Crisis Management Minute. And I have uh, weekly uh, examples and lessons and case studies for crisis management strategies, tactics, and techniques. So I hope they'll read the book, buy the book, and listen to my my podcasts. And also read my columns on Forbes.com. We have got a great guest with us today. And Edward, thanks for doing this, my friend. And uh, I will definitely be in touch. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for doing this. Great to be with you, and I look forward to continuing our conversation later on. Take definitely, care. definitely. Have yourself a wonderful day. There he goes, the fantastic Edward Seagal. Uh, Edward Seagal is what he called himself. I thought it was Seagal. Well, whatever. Like Steven Seagal. Okay. We are going to go to our next guest. He is going to join us here in just a few seconds. Uh, Kevin McGreary is going to be with us here in a few moments. And I believe we have the fantastic, there he is, the man, the myth, the legend, the fantastic, what is this? I've got all sorts of things, we've got all sorts of things happening here. We have got our guest, Kevin McGreary, with us today. How are you, sir? You are... Hey, uh, man, how you doing? uh, Pretty good, actually, pretty good, actually. Um, We're going to do this. I've got somebody on the phone, or I guess they just hung up. Okay, whatever. Doesn't matter. Um, (laughs) You are amazing, my friend. Uh, You have got a brand new project that I want to talk about. But before we do that, uh, I got to get your thoughts on uh, this whole election thing. What in the world happened with the midterms? Um, well, there was uh, fraud, malfeasance, uh, grotesque cheating. <laughs> um, you know, you, here, here's the thing. Here's the things that we all have to kind of keep in mind, okay? Yeah. Six million more conservative Republicans voted this election than prior, okay? Yes. So that means that you have six million more people voting potentially on the conservative Republican side, yet... We eke out maybe one seat in the House and none in the Senate. That that math to me just doesn't seem to add up correctly. Yeah. Now, the other thing that we've seen is we've seen that we've been outmaneuvered at the ground game on the ballot stuff. So, yes, because of covid rules still across the United States, we had a lot of these states, especially blue states take advantage of harvesting and making sure that they get the ballots that were kind of loosely uh, across districts. 
and bring those in and then associate names to those ballots and then fill them out and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we are going for votes and a lot of other sides are going for ballots. And um, uh, if you if you control the ballot game, you control the machines. It, it's, you know, it, it's kind of hard to overcome that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it's a surprise. It's It's kind of devastating in a lot of ways that we're not going to get the kind of change that we all want. I mean, we have rampant crime. We have rampant, uh, you know, uh, inflation. Uh, we have uh, rampant, uh, you know, illegal uh, trafficking over our borders that our president is complicit with both China trafficking fentanyl and he's complicit with the human traffickers trafficking humans. So we have all of this stuff happening. And yet, you know, we have a muted response so to speak, by virtue of our election. So it's it's it, we, we've got to take it. We got to do better at this on the next go around. <laughs> you know, I I completely, completely understand, my friend. We have got a great guest with us today. Kevin McGreary is with us. He is amazing. And he has a brand new book. Talk to us a little bit about your latest book, my friend. All right. Latest book is called Woked Up. And <laughs> Look at the subtitle, that. <laughs> subtitle is Finally Putting an Axe to the Taproot of White Supremacy and Racism in America. Now, the reason why I wrote it is because we hear from all the wokesters. We've been hearing for years now. They're pointing to, to you're a Christian nationalist, you're a white supremacist, you're a racist, you're this and that. And so I really wanted to find out, well, what's at the root of this woke movement? Well, you know, where is it fundamentally rooted? And so I, I went on a, you know, everybody knows that wokeism is, is rooted in Marxism, but I went to the next level. I said, well, Marx was obviously influenced by somebody who was that influence. Yeah. And I came up with Charles Robert Darwin. It just so happens that Marx and Engels, all of their early works were dedicated to Darwin. And when you start looking at Darwin's work, then the, everything starts to come to life. You understand how all of this stuff is happening. So Darwin was the first one, actually, to fully instantiate white supremacy. Now, I know some people will say, oh, come on, that's ridiculous. We had slavery. We had all this other kind of stuff happening before Darwin, before the mid-1800s. You're absolutely correct. But here's the difference. Darwin was the first scientific mind who had world following, renowned, to actually say in his, if you look at his first, uh, his first book on natural selection, the subheading is for the preservation of most favored races, Okay. Yep. Uh, his second one, The Descent of Man, he goes into a lot more detail. He says, look, you know, we have to preserve our and he's talking about white, Aryan, Caucasian, pure European. We have to preserve our intellectual and uh, capacities and our resourcefulness as a as a race. And that's the most favored race, he says, because if you look at actually, if you look at blacks, uh, you see my evolutionary theories and and at work because blacks are uh, subhuman, uh, tantamount to uh, gorillas, apes, and savages. Yeah, this is what he said. So he instantiated white supremacy by virtue of saying, "Hey, we have to protect our pure Aryan genes," and fully, uh, you know, fully uh, ontologically contrived, if you will, racism. 
these this particular race is still trying to climb the evolutionary scale and therefore they could be subjugated they could be you know whatever so yes we had slavery but here's the difference uh slavery was an economic opportunism right uh but when darwin came out with this then slave owners said oh yeah you're right they okay they're subhuman all right well (laughs) you know we can rape the the wife and the and, and the little girls we could do whatever and we could treat these things however we need to because they're actually not human yet they're still trying to climb yep. the evolutionary yep. scale and so this is where it actually came from um there was ontological anthropological and scientific distinction for white supremacy by virtue of darwin saying hey you know whites literally our gene uh, our genes are literally supreme to every other ethnicity. He and his cousin, Francis Galton, doubled down on that when they uh, made up out of whole cloth eugenics. Okay? Yep. Eugenics, in their mind, eugenics is a term they created. They're the fathers of eugenics, right? Um, and the fathers of, 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 of that kind of stuff. And they, and they created uh, eugenics because they felt that other ethnicities were infringing uh, because their other ethnicities were overpopulating over and above white Caucasian Europeans. And uh, they felt that, hey, you know, we need to have a distinction for well-born. And eugenics, that's what it means. It it literally uh, defined well-born. So those that are well-born are to be protected. Those that are not, which would mean every other ethnicity's uh, the ethnicity can be summarily terminated or exterminated. Okay, so um, with that, we had then when that was in full operation here in the United States, we had sterilizations for sterilizations and then abortion. So for those who are hysterical about abortion, a lot of them were hysterical about abortion and voting in our last election. Guess what? Abortion is made up because to of white supremacy and racism. It is literally the fruit of white supremacy and racism. The only reason why Darwin and Francis Galton made up eugenics, therefore abortion, is to get rid of every other ethnicity. So if you are in a pro-abort today, guess what? You actually literally own the, by definition, not me, you know, posing any had hominems. <laughs> by definition, you're the white supremacist and the racist, and there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you're pro-abort. That's where it comes from. Uh, guess what? You own it. Wow. <laughs> I'll tell you, you are a smart, smart dude, my friend. You have got. You just make the complex understandable. I love you to death well, for that. You know, I, I just wish more people <laughs> understood because we got a lot of people participating in wokeism and yeah. uh, they're not awakened to really where wokeism is fundamentally rooted, which is in the very thing that they point fingers at others about. And so we need to get more people to go to Amazon. You get this book in two days. It's all footnoted. Every all the notes, all the private letters, everything is laid out for you. We need to bring our friends and our family members and our community members along with a complete understanding 
about wokeism and what it is and what it's not. It is not a, a, a nice new form of progressivism and it's going to bring us all together. It is actually rooted in white supremacy and racism. It is destructive. It is chaotic. And it is it's it's, it's really the, the root of most of our problems right now. So now that this book is out, what's been some feedback that you've gotten on the book so far? Excellent. I mean, all five stars on Amazon, just excellent. Um, uh, People now I've given it to professors, people who are definitely along the Darwinistic trail. Right. And they've read it and they said, OMG, (laughs) I never connected the dots, never understood how Darwin and, and Marx, that connection, that connection is thoroughly made in my book. Uh, then Marx with Saul Linsky is thoroughly made. So there's some inescapable connect, uh, connection points there. Um, and uh, so the people that I've spoken with, e- even professors, they are blown away. I, you know, if you know uh, Bill Federer, Bill Federer is a modern day historian, incredible mind. Uh, he gave me the endorsement for the book. And he says, Kevin, look, I've written about Marx and Darwin uh, extensively. He says, I never made these connections. He said, it is incredible what you've done here. So it is really, really eye-opening to begin to see what's happening in our culture and society um, and, and really understand the connections to literal white supremacy and racism. And we're blindly allowing this to continue to happen to the extent that a lot of organizations are inviting in diehard Marxists uh, under the guise of anti-racism, under the guise of uh, white fragility training, and uh, these diehard Marxists, who by definition are literal racists and white supremacists, are actually training people on how not to be uh, white supremacists and racists. I mean, this is unbelievable when you look at what's going on now. It's like, how does that work? That is amazing. Uh, And so what we've done is we've launched actually a racial unity training ourselves to compete with the anti-racist white fragility training out there uh, because we actually we actually bring people along together without isolating parts of the uh, workforce. You know, if you go in right now to an anti-racism training today, they're they're calling out the whites in the in the workforce. They say, "Okay, you guys sitting back, y'all just listen. We're gonna be, all the ethnic all the ethics come up here. We're gonna help you know uh, really kind of set the frame for the class, and then they castigate basically the whites." as the problem throughout this whole thing. Uh, The problem uh, really is not whites generally. Uh, You know, the problem needs to be understood from its roots, from its literal uh, structures. We have structures of racism that have now evolved out of Darwinism, and those are the literal problems that we must address. So we, in our training, we get to the actual roots the literal foundations of, of racism and white supremacy, and we unite everybody to then fight against the real culprits for white supremacy and racism. It is not this feigned, hey, if you just happen to be born white with your immutable characteristics, you're literally, you can't help it, you're a racist. That is preposterous. Anybody with a half brain understands this. And uh, that's not the way to build workforces. That's the way to divide it and build antipathy amongst workplaces and and, and people within a uh, close work environment. So we're the antithesis of that. 
You can find out more by going to our website, everyblm.com, uh, everyblm.com, and you can get information about how we do racial unity training to really unite workforces. That's awesome. So this book, you've put a lot of time and effort into the book. What do yes. you want readers to take away from your writing of this book? Uh, so here's the number one thing readers must get out of the book. First of all, you are not just by virtue of your immutable characteristics of your skin color, a white supremacist, racist, white nationalist, white Christian nationalist. That's that's that those those pejoratives are not you. What you need to get from the book is, yes, we do have white supremacy and we do have racism. Uh, we have not understood it fully, but now this book gives you the capacity to understand it fully, to put context around it, to put history uh, and facts around it, and to actually then gain strength when you speak with those who are part of this woke culture, those progressives, those leftists, whatever, those Marxists, you can actually begin to educate them now and bring them along with how to understand that they're the ones that are steeped in this uh, this sort of uh, trajectory of racism and white supremacy. And the only way out is to renounce and denounce not only Darwin and Marx, but to renounce and denounce being woke. I mean, that 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 is fundamentally, it's all Marxist. And so the embrace of that it's it's racist on its on its cover uh, and, and and it's by definition racist so so Kevin your book uh, absolutely amazing uh, talk to me about the cover design because uh, you've held that up a yeah. few times that is very interesting yeah so, <laughs> yeah, so the cover it it shows a darkened uh, sort of asleep uh, cityscape. In the middle, it shows an axe and a taproot, all right? So we're going to get to the taproot, again, of white supremacy and racism in America. And uh, taproot is, anybody would understand, is the main source, the main fundamental root that gives life to a plant or tree or whatever. And if we can get to that taproot, we can figure out where all of this stuff comes from. And so that's the whole premise of it. And then that whole cityscape will be... Uh, illuminated just as much as this this picture here. So, but right now, this this entire our culture and society is asleep. It's it's you know it's asleep, and so that's what it connotes there. It's darkened and asleep, and then it, it, you know this of course is 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 different. It's awake. So uh, that's really where that cover design comes from. I'm trying to point out that look, we have a lot of people that are asleep. We have a lot of politicians. We have a lot of uh, heads of corporations. We have a lot of community organizers. We have a lot of people around the world, literally, that are asleep. And um, we want to be able to do something about any form of racism that's still around today, and racism is around. And so the only way that we're going to make an impact on that is not by going around pointing fingers at people and castigating them as one yep. thing or another. The only way we're going to get a handle on it is to actually figure out where it comes from, figure out the taproot of it, and then unify around, hey, we're going to chop down this taproot. We're going to literally not participate in anything racist anymore. And that means stop being a Marxist. Now, that's hard for some people. But. 
Well, Kevin, before I let you go, what's next for you uh, as an author? As an author, I don't know. All my books are uh, sort of a divine download. Uh, so I don't know uh, where, when, and how I'm going to write again. Uh, this is my fifth. And it's all, you know, writing is hard. So I'm not a, a writer per se. Yeah. But I get a divine download and it's easy. I just. And so the only way I write is if I feel that God has given me something that needs to come out. And this book was written in that way. So I don't know when the next one is. I don't know. Well, Kevin, I appreciate you making time for us today. I definitely want to have you back on because uh, you are a fountain of information, my friend. And uh, you're just amazing. Before we let you go, how do we get the book? You get the book by just going to Amazon, type in Wokt, W-O-K-E-D, up, U-P, and my last name, McGarry, M-C-G-A-R-Y. And you'll get the book in two days, 19 bucks or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, but it is it is definitely something you would want because, again, it's footnoted. Everything's there, so you can everything is there for you to bring your, your friends and family along. The other way to contact me directly is our website, everyblm.com. You can go there and find out more information about our racial unity trainings and how we help workforces and communities come along and literally unify together. Fantastic. Well, Kevin, have yourself a wonderful day. My friend, I will talk to you soon. Have yourself a blessed day, Kevin. Thank Thank you, you, man. There he goes. Fantastic. Kevin McGreary, we're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we've got our next guest. Locked and loaded on the way. Attention Medicare beneficiaries. Are you getting all the benefits you need? If you have Medicare, you may now be able to get new benefits. Benefits may include eyeglasses, wellness visits, gym membership, meal delivery, and hearing aids with low copay. To find out which benefits you qualify for and to find out if you're getting the benefits that you deserve, you need to call Best Medicare. Our licensed insurance agents can look up your current benefits and tell you what additional benefits are available to you. It's easy. Just one call. Tell us the deductibles you prefer, the doctors you want to see, and if you want prescription drug coverage. The service is free and you have no obligation. You may even find plans with zero monthly plan premiums, zero co-pays on many services, and zero deductibles. You deserve every medical care coverage benefit out there and we'll help you get them. Call 800-991-7014. 800-991-7014. That's 800-991-7014. And let Best MedCare do the work for you. If you have ever thought about remodeling your bathroom but were worried it would take too long or cost too much, then stop worrying. Right now, Jacuzzi Bath Remodel has designed a collection of high-quality custom products and perfected the one-day remodeling experience so you can enjoy your new bathroom faster than ever before. It's a worry-free bath remodel from the most trusted brand name in the business, Jacuzzi. A Jacuzzi bath system fits in your existing tub space. It's a no-mess installation with an amazing style selection, factory-certified installers, and a limited lifetime warranty. Call 800-763-8517. That's 800-763-8517. Right now and get 50% off installations with no interest and no payments for 12 months. 
Replace that old bathtub today with a walk-in shower for a safer bathing experience. If you have lived in your home for over 15 years, it's time to remodel your bathroom. For a virtual or in-home appointment, call 800-763-8517. That's 800-763-8517. Okay. (laughs) Apparently, that's how it works. That's how today is going to go. Uh, Winamp is just going to lock up on me. So, welcome back to the big broadcast. We are live coast to coast and boulder to boulder on iHeartRadio today. And, of course, you can find us on Twitch. And our website, of course, is JiggyJaguar.com. We have got a great guest we are going to get to here in just a few seconds. He's going to join us live here on our big, big program. There's my music. Now that I don't need it. Uh, We are back live. I've had a really good day today up until just right there. Um, Get a hold of us online. It is J-I-G-G-Y-J-G-U-A-R. Dot com. That is your best spot to see what we are up to. It is, of course, the big show. Yes, indeed, the big show. We have got a great guest we are going to get to here in just a few moments. He is fantastic. We are going to go to our next guest. He is patiently waiting for us on the telephone. He is a real estate ex- executive. Yes, indeed. And uh, his name is Cesar Pena, and he, of course... Uh, is just an amazing, amazing individual. And uh, we wanted to get Caesar on today, and we welcome him to the big broadcast. How are you, sir? Welcome to the big program. How are you, Caesar? Hey, how you doing? Pretty Thanks good, actually. Me. Pretty good, actually. You are amazing. Tell me a little bit about your background, my friend. So, pretty much, I've been in real estate now for 17 years. Um, the I only have a high school diploma. I'm more uh, street wow. educated than anything else. Uh, I never went to college. When all of my friends chose to go to school, you know, I pretty much chose the streets. Uh, but the funny thing is that I, I was growing up, everybody's like, "Hey, man, you gotta change your life. You gotta change your life. If you don't change your life, you know, you're gonna end up going to jail." So I didn't listen. So I ended up going to jail. <laughs> so, I was young. I knew yeah. everything, but um, but I turned a negative into a positive. So when I was in prison, I met uh, a guy that was a, a big real estate developer in New Jersey in Hoboken, um, and he went in for political corruption. Um, he didn't know about real estate, so um, um, excuse me, he didn't know about how things worked in prison. So I taught him how to bid how the prison system works, and he taught me about real estate. Wow. That's pretty yeah. awesome. That is that is actually a, uh, a a heck of a deal. So when, uh, when, when, when you got out, tell me a little bit about some of the things that you've done. So I get out of prison, right? And right out of prison, this was the wild cowboy days, right? This is when anything went, you know, when it came to uh, when we had those crazy loans. You know, oh, yeah. crazy real estate mar- market that, that, that popped, right? So I'm out of prison, and right out of prison, I'm in the halfway house, and I'm doing mortgages, right? Like, here I am <laughs> coming out of the the prison system, and I have people's personal information, right? It's crazy when you think about that. 
So I'm doing mortgages. Everything is great. I'm making a lot of money, ten to twenty thousand a month. But then the market crashes. Right before the real estate market crashes, me and my wife we opened up a restaurant. I'm a Dominican. My wife is Cuban, so we opened up a Cuban restaurant. We had no business opening up a restaurant. <laughs> we didn't know anything about the restaurant business. Yep. At that point, we had two houses. We took whatever money we had um, and invested it into the restaurant. And in less than a year and a half, we lost everything. Wow. Uh, the, that's why we tell people restaurant business is a tough business. Uh, you know, the, the, the rate of return or, or the rate of success in that business is very low. Right, most people don't make it past the first year, and uh, we we want we want we we were one of those people, right? <laughs> so, I saw an opportunity in real estate. I took it uh, as the market was coming down. The first deal that I did, I made seventy thousand dollars, and I closed that restaurant the next day. I left the money in the register, the food in the freezer, and walked the hell out of there. <laughs> and um, I've, I've been doing real estate ever since. Wow. You've just been kind of doing stuff on your own. I just, I, I, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. So you know, I started with the smaller properties. Your two fam. Uh, well, when I first started, right, I wanted to flip properties because that was like the sexy thing you saw on TV. So oh, that's yeah. when the market went down, so I couldn't do that. So I switched from flipping properties to rental properties. So I would buy properties under market value, add value to them. I would fix them, rent them refinance, take that money out, and buy more property. So that was kind of the market I was in for about almost eight, nine years. Then the market changed again. So then I started doing the rentals and the flipping. Then I got into commercial properties. Then uh, we also developed. Right now we're putting up a 50-unit building, an 80-unit building, and a 100-unit building in uh, Paris in New Jersey. About four years ago, I met DJ Envy from The Breakfast Club. He said, Caesar, you have a great story. Um... You know, we should do a real estate seminar, and you should speak to everybody. And I was like, bro, I, I, it was never in my cards to be a public speaker. So I was like, bro, we're going to announce this. Nobody's going to come. We announced it. 500 people came. Um, wow. He gives me the mic. After he speaks, everybody speaks. He gives me the mic. Go talk. And I'm like, bro, I've never spoke in front of a crowd before. Like, what do I do? He didn't give me any pointers. He just told me, go out there and talk. Uh, I went out there. Uh, I froze for the first six minutes. Then I snapped out of, snapped out of it. And, and after that, more than 180,000 people have come to our real estate seminars. That is amazing. <laughs> you are fantastic. I, I just, what, why do you think people are, are drawn to you and, and your success and everything? I think it's because, I'm, uh, you know, I'm very relatable. Right. Um, and I think, you know, of course, I come from I don't come from, you know, a real estate background. I don't come from money. You know, I'm pretty much self-made. And I, I, uh, I think it gives people a lot of hope. And, you know, I'm, I'm very easy. Like people come up to me all the time and, you know, I, I talk to everybody. Anything when it comes to real estate, you ask me a question, you know, I pretty much could answer you in less than 20 minutes. So I, I think that has a lot to do with it. That people can relate to me. That is fantastic. We have got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on our big program. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. Caesar, um, what has been some feedback that you've gotten from folks 
regarding all the various things that you're involved in with, with with the real estate and everything else. So you know, sometimes right when you when you do something every day, you don't really think about how you affect other people, right? So a lot of times, right, you might be having a bad day or something's not going your way, and then you bump into somebody and tells you, hey. Um, I got the message because of you. Now I own three houses. I own five houses. You inspired me to get into real estate and build wealth through real estate for my family. And, you know, that pretty much makes it all worthwhile, right? Because at the end of the day, it's not about how successful I am. It's how many people I can actually help be successful too. That is tremendous. Cesar Pena with us today. He joins us live here on our big, big broadcast. You can get more information. CesarPina.com is his official website. He's also all over Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube as well. Uh, You have just had an incredible, incredible background, an incredible story here. Now, you also have written a book. Tell us a little bit about your book. So my book is called Flipping Keys. It dropped about um, a year and a half ago. Um, you know, I had the book for a while. I didn't really think, you know, uh, it was going to do as well as it did. We released the book, and uh, we went number one on Wall Street, um, number one on Amazon twice, uh, number one on uh, Barnes & Noble, and Top 150 on USA Today without um, no... You know, no real marketing dollars behind us. We dropped the book independently. And just my core audience, you know, my real estate fans, you know, they they, they, they helped us take it to the top. Wow. So, <laughs> my book, in essence, is more like my story, my personal story, uh, everything that I went through, and, you know, they got me to the point where I am today. Eventually, we are going to drop a part two. Uh, part two is going to be called Leverage. That's going to be more of a, like real estate technique you know, tricks of the trade that I learned over time. But the first book was pretty much my personal story. So the book, uh, incredibly well written. Tell me a little bit about what you want folks to get out of your book. I just want to show people, you know, that your background doesn't matter, right? Uh, Whatever you go through in life just makes you stronger. And, you know, your, your, your beginning doesn't determine your future. That's great. We have got a tremendous guest with us today. He joins us live here on our big broadcast. Cesar Pena is with us. So you have got, uh, besides all the various things that you're involved in, you also have, uh, you're a big deal with some of these celebrity clients that you've either sold houses for or to or or been involved with. Talk to me a little bit about some of the different folks you've worked with because you're you're not just the run of the mill, you know, business guy. Yeah, so I, I, I've I've met a lot of celebrities over the years. Uh, I've done and I worked with uh, Nicky Jam, uh, Don Omar, uh, Snoop Dogg, uh, French Montana, uh, athletes Shady McCoy, uh, Khalil Mack, uh, Brandon Copeland, Tahiri Whitehead. Um, as far as you know, uh, that's as far as in, in music, Spanish music, a lot, a lot of different guys too. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, man, you know, and you know what the you, you know what people usually ask me? How did you meet these guys? How did it happen? <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now. You probably won't believe me. It's pretty much Instagram. You know, I have met more um, <laughs> more music contacts and more guests for this radio program on Instagram as well. I just, I've, I think that's a hidden gem. People don't realize that that Instagram is a little bit more than just uh, posting pictures. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I tell people all the time, like you know, you know, a funny story, right? Uh, this is a, just to give you a funny one. Nikki Jam wrote to me on Instagram, right? He wrote to me in September, and then one day I was I was by my friend's house, uh, Johnny Marine, and uh, he had a plaque because uh, he used to manage Romeo Santos, so he had a plaque of a song that Nikki Nikki and Romeo did together. And I asked Johnny, "Yo, is Nikki cool?" He's like, "Yeah, man, he's cool as hell." And then he was a couple of days later. He's on the Breakfast Club, and then he told uh, Envy that he wanted to meet me. Right? He's like, "Yo, I want to meet your guy." Um, uh, you know, flipping NJ to flip the houses. And then when I look back in my Instagram, he wrote to me, right? Like a year before, and I never noticed. And then <laughs> when I when I found You're too busy him, being successful. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, when I met him, he's like, bro, you know, that usually doesn't happen. Like, people get back to me right away. I kept on looking. Is he going to respond to me? Is he going to respond to me? <laughs> that is amazing. And I, and I never noticed because you know, your DMs, you got so many of them, you know? And uh, and then I realized that he had DM me, and that happens to be a couple times already, but I think with him is like the funniest, he's the funniest one out of all of them. We have got a great guest with us today. Joins us live here on our big broadcast. Cesar Pena is with us. He joins us uh, here on our big program, talking about his, his book and his success and... Uh, I also see you've got a TV show coming out. Like, like you need anything else on your plate. Uh, tell me a little bit about this TV show that you've got coming out. So pretty much me and Envy have a TV show coming up. Um, we were signed to, um, it's executive produced by 50 Cent. Um, and production is by Fly on the Wall Entertainment. And we are coming out on Annie. We have a two-year deal. We should be dropping the show, I want to say, anywhere. Hopefully, we'll be on TV. Anywhere. I think we lost him. Okay. Let's do this. Uh, is he the 973? He is the 973. Okay, we'll call him back. I think we lost him. I don't know. I'm sorry. Okay, we lost him. I don't know what happened there. So, uh, we will just hope that he gets back with us here in just a few seconds. Let's do this. Let's, um, let's do this. Let me see if I can buy us a little bit of time. 
Check out Rock Music Hub right now at rockmusichub.com. Hashtag Rock Music Hub. Check us out on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash rock-music-hub. Rock Music Hub, a community of rock for rock by rock. Hashtags, websites. All right, brother, give me a couple seconds here. I think we've got him back. We've uh, reconnected with Cesar Pena. He joins us live here on our broadcast. So, um... When, when you left, last left us, you were telling us a little bit about the, the TV show. So so give us more details here. Yeah, so we have a a, a, a real estate reality TV show. Uh, we are signed to 50 Cent. Um, production company is Fly on the Wall. And we are coming out on A&E. Uh, it's, we are hopefully soon to release the show. I want to say we should be on TV Summer 2023, fall 2023. Okay. Um, it's going uh, to be totally different than every any other TV show you've ever seen as far as when it comes to real estate. Most of the real estate TV shows now on TV are very cookie cutter, right? With us, you're going to see, you know, dealing with contractors, dealing with tenants. You're going to see the rental side of real estate, not just that pretty, you know, this house is ugly, I make it pretty, and I sell it for more, right? We do that, too. <laughs> But you're going to see pretty much every, every aspect of real estate that you've never seen on TV before. That is awesome. And it's a family business. So, uh, what what has been uh, some of the more interesting parts of putting this TV show together? Um, so far, you know, it's time, right? I never, you know, it, it, we've pretty much been, it took us almost two years to get to this point, right? Well, of course, you know, that was always, there's also COVID, right? COVID happened. But uh, it took us a long time to just get to this point where we're about to, you know, we started filming a little bit and then we're going to drop eventually. It, the time that it took it, it, it pretty much um, amazed me a little bit. I didn't think anything, you know, took that long. But apparently in entertainment, anything in entertainment takes long to get done. Yes, I can, uh, I, 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 I can, uh, Back you up on that. <laughs> it does for for whatever reason. It does. So okay, you you've got the TV show, you've got the book out there. Uh, what else do you have going? Well, you know, to me, my first love is real estate. Right? Yeah. Like I said, I've been doing this for seventeen years. You know, I flip forty to sixty properties a year. Uh, we have almost and, and manage about. Uh, 3,000 units nationwide. Um, you know, we, we're developing now. So my first love is real estate. Uh, then everything else, you know, comes after real estate, right? Um, right now, you know, we, we do the real estate seminars. We have a real estate platform. Um, whenever anybody that ever came to our seminar, um, me and DJ MV seminar, there was never no upsell, right? We would charge people $99 to $199. That was it. Uh, we put everybody in front of you, you know, from lenders to everything else. So there was never no upsell. So finally now we actually have a part two, which is called Flip to Dow. And that's uh, our real estate platform where you get education, you get the network part, and for as little as $100 you can invest in a deal with us. Fantastic. Fantastic. We have got Cesar Pena with us today. He joins us live here on our big, big program. So, uh, 
what do you what what do you have planned heading into the uh, heading heading into the new year? What 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 is what is it like for a real estate professional such as yourself um, with the holidays coming up? Uh, being around, you know, just trying to relax, right? But there really is no relaxation, right? Because you know we're already ending this year strong, and now we got to plan the next year, and you know, and we got to even become stronger, right? Uh, you know, my dream is eventually to have about 5,000 units and then kind of after that relax a little bit. And then my daughter takes over. She's 17 now and she loves the, the family business. Uh, she's very involved in real estate. For her 16th birthday, instead of uh, having a, a party, we bought her an apartment building in Chicago. 12 units. <laughs> wow. And that's so pretty badass. That's pretty much it. Man. It's just always thinking about the future. It doesn't stop. Well, that is amazing. Uh, before we let you go, how do people get in touch with you online and buy your book and uh, and see the TV show when it comes out? Yeah. So, um, you know, we got the TV show. Uh, I'm on Instagram, flipping MJ, flipping MJ, flipping underscore MJ, teaserpino uh, You know, uh, the book. MV's on the radio every day, which is you know he's he's my partner. And we're pretty much everywhere. Fantastic. Well, it's an honor and a privilege to talk with you, my friend, and uh, I look forward to talking to you soon. Have yourself a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it, man. There he goes. Fantastic. Cesar Pena joins us here on our big program. So that wraps it up here from this edition of our big broadcast. You can get a hold of us online at JiggyJaguar.com. Also, find us each and every week on iHeartRadio, amfm247.com, as well as many other fine feathered stations. We will see you next time. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.